Welcome to We the Women. This is our celebration of the 19th Amendment. Exactly 100 years ago, on August 18, 1920, the 19th Amendment was ratified, giving women the right to vote. To celebrate, we'll be talking to women from around South Carolina, thought leaders, movers and shakers. We'll ask them about how they have used their voice and what they have done to contribute to our great democracy. Enjoy the conversation. In this episode, Post and Courier education reporter Jenna Schifferl interviews Jill Moody, head of school of Ashley Hall. Thank you so much uh, for being here today. I'm with Jill Moody, who's the head of school at Ashley Hall. I can't thank you enough for your time. Well, no, thank you very much for having me. I was really looking forward to coming down and having a, a conversation about, about the movement and the anniversary and everything else. Yeah, absolutely. I think Ashley Hall... Um, and, and what the work you do there ties in perfectly to all these conversations that we're having in a very real way today. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I was looking forward to chatting with you. Um, so I guess um, maybe we can just give like a little bit of background for people who are maybe not familiar with Ashley Hall. It's an all-girls school established in 1909. I'm like, correct me if I'm wrong. No. <laughs> um, so, and that was 10 years before... Um, the ratification of the 19th or maybe 11 years after this ratification. Um, why was it founded and was it a, was it a big deal in that time to create an all girls school? Um, sure. So a little bit of history. Um, our founder was a woman by the name of Mary Vardreen Mackby. And, um, you know, she was originally from the South, actually North Carolina and had wanted to go to university um, and went to the Northeast and couldn't, enter university because of a, a series of exams that needed to be taken. And so when she got out of school, it really bothered her that she wasn't, she was coming from the South and that women from the South didn't have the same opportunities as their um, counterparts in the Northeast and wanted to begin a school for, for women. Um, did, looked around a good bit and decided that Charleston was a perfect place to start her school. Um, you know, she, the curriculum was actually written in Columbia and she brought several professors down with her from Columbia University to, when she started in 1909. And when you think about that, just in, in general, uh, what was happening during that time period, as you say, it was before, you know, uh, a good 11 years before uh, women, uh, the suffrage movement and, and the, the amendment came about. So uh, for MACB, um, and really it's really tied to our mission. I mean, the mission of our school, it's kind of transcended the, ten, sen, the uh, sense of time and decades. Uh, it's to produce an educated woman who is independent, ethically responsible, and ready to meet the challenges of society with confidence. So when we are thinking about that independence and that responsibility ethically, that was pretty much her charge from day one when she came in. So, of course, it was the, the girls at the school um, providing just a top-notch education uh, that would allow them to go to any women's college or university that they wanted to attend. And yet at the same time, it was really a, a, a about how to create independent, self-reliant women and what that meant. Um, you know, she ended up really being a first in many ways in Charleston. Uh, she was the first woman to um, sit on 
the commission of the school board. She was advocated and, and the first woman for women to help with the um, public library system. Uh, worked very much for the first kindergarten for under-resourced children. So her hands were a little bit everywhere. In terms of this specific movement, she was vice president of the South Carolina suffrage movement and, of course, part of the League of Women Voters. So um, this, this sense of being part of community, understanding the, the place and role that... Um, it was necessary to, to engage, was vital from the time the school really began. I think that's absolutely fascinating, especially when you think about 100 years ago, um, create, you know, this mission of the school is to create an empowered, confident woman. So that's still, and that's still the mission of the school today. Yeah, I mean, it looks, you know, obviously, uh, and I think that a good mission, you know, an independent school lives under mission. And it creates a sense of community and a sense of purpose. And we like to say that our alumni are our living legacy. Um, and the way they live their lives really carries that mission forward and MACB's vision forward. Uh, but yeah, when you really think about the role she played and what it meant to start that school and, and keep, it, keep it open. I mean, it was a proprietary school until 1954. Um, and so, you know, obviously that's affected the, the history of the school a good bit. Um, and I'd also say, while it wasn't unusual to have uh, single gender schools, it was the only and still is um, the only single gender school for women in the state of South Carolina. Wow. Secondary school. Yeah. Wow. Um, tell me about how you are fulfilling that mission today and how it's maybe changed from um, the mission has stayed the same, but maybe um, how it is in, in practice established might be a little bit different today. And, um... Sure. So I, I think a great education really uh, comes from um, understanding a sense of place and really understanding what's happening in the environment around you. And so every head of school throughout the history, I mean, Miss Macby was there um, through the the early 50s, actually. So I'm only the sixth head of school when over 111 years, which is kind of interesting. Um, I think that, you know, there needs to be this sense of relevance, relevance, excuse me, of what's ever happening in education. And yet at the same time, um, you know, core concepts around what that education looks like. So for us, this idea of being independent and ethically responsible, our program now starts at two. Um, so what does independence look like for a two-year-old? Um, how do we create a sense of um, self-reliance? What does that look like when you're 10 or 12? And again, at 17 or 18. So the, firstly, you know, when Miss Macby was there, we, there wasn't an early childhood division. It was a boarding school until 1974. Um, the, the younger grades, it just depended on what was happening by the decades. So it, it was even at the time a very different place in, in terms of what we do now. I think um, we think about classical education, that trivium and quadrivium, which she brought from Columbia University, obviously very differently today. But um, so it's, it's a powerful education that's based in, in inquiry-based learning and experiential um, learning. And that's for us what translates this independence and self-reliance. Mm -hmm. 
So, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. It looks a little bit different than it de- did then. But I think the, not only the core values are what we now call our hallmarks, but this sense of the girls knowing we say her world, our world, and the world um, forces a connection to community. And community here in Charleston, within the state, what that looks like globally. Uh, and, you know, when they can make these connections uh, to, to their education um, and it becomes personal, then it creates a different kind of curiosity in terms of the way they live their lives. The Intertech Group and the Zucker family are proud to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. I think it's interesting... I've spoken with a couple parents um, throughout for various stories I've been working on. And I remember one, uh, she had like a, a, a six-year-old. And she said, my six-year-old is, is learning how to write opinion or, you know, take an opinion and present it to the class. And she was just like blown away that a six-year-old and a seven-year-old are doing this in their class. Um, and I know through other, you know, coverage that you talk about like ex- experiential learning, Um you have girls building tiny houses. You have girls um, sailing, you know, 150-ton ships down the Atlantic. Like, that's all really fascinating. I think that part of it ties into really teaching girls from a young age independence and then kind of carrying that throughout their education, which I think is really fascinating. Um, and we talked about the confidence pipeline. Right. Um, you know, really deliberate approach to technology and social media and how that all impacts a young girl today it does those are the pressures that maybe didn't exist exactly so you know when we take a look at the role that technology has played and this has even changed in the last 10 5 10 years and will continue to be a dynamic force obviously and in all of our lives i I think we see it um, now more than ever during this pandemic you know it's again um how how do we help create a sense of belonging uh, for girls? How do they know themselves? Um, how does that end up being actualized? Uh, and, and, and so we, yes, we work on that. We start very early, you know, and, and it becomes a, a natural part of our curriculum and, and what we do. It sort of gets baked into the DNA of, of the girls that go to school there. And we're proud of that. What is your vision moving forward for Ashley Hong and your tenure? You've done, you've accomplished a lot so far. And when you think about girl, when we talk about girls' education specifically, is there anything that you set your sights on that you want to achieve moving forward? Well, I, you know, I think that there um, is this uh, sense that when we give opportunity, that that's somehow enough. And it's not. <laughs> Um, by any short measure. I mean, you know, yes, um, even, you know, my own educational ex- experience, you know, 30, 40 years ago is is very different than what the girls are experiencing today. But I think this, um, this idea of the role gender plays uh, within so- societal norms continues and will continue to uh, affect not only our educational process, um, the way they, we think about the world and the way we try to make a difference in the world. So uh, for me, firstly, this sense of living under mission has always been really important. And this idea of 
understanding yourself and knowing how you want to make a difference in the world um, is of paramount importance now more than ever, uh, especially when we um, read and know what is happening for an entire generation of young young people. That's actually, yeah, I think that's really interesting. The sense of self is maybe, and the gender roles that still exist today. It's 2020, but we know that they're, um, we've made progress, but I think we still have a long way to to go in some sense of the, you know, in some sense. So um, what do you think, I've asked this question to everyone that I've spoken with for this, um, because I think it means something different to everyone. But when we talk about the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, um, what does it mean to you personally? I'm curious to hear your thoughts when you when you think about it and when you reflect uh, on this milestone. Well, I'm always surprised, you know, I when I think of um, how many things in our country and society still aren't resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, the role, you know, of what it means to be human and how things haven't changed for what feels like millennia. And we're celebrating something that, you know, I'm, I can't believe it's only been a hundred years. I mean, it's, it's, it's shameful in so many ways. And yet is such, such a product of, you know, the history of our, of our nation in general. Um, and, and yet, you know, it, um, for me personally, it's really created this kind of drive at the school to continue that legacy, the legacy of advocacy, of being um, grounded in community and place, of understanding the importance of um, beauty in the lives of everyone, what it means um, to be uh, a citizen and civically responsible, not only for ourselves, but for others. So I guess that's, you know, some of what I think about when I think about the 19th Amendment. Yeah. Can I ask how, um, how do you approach the subject or how do teachers approach the subject if, if they do um, in the classroom? And, or not necessarily the 100th anniversary, um, but just in general, the right to vote that process. Is that incorporated at all into um, the lesson? Sure. And actually this year, it's really interesting. The American Bar Association has put together a wonderful expose and a traveling show, which we'll be bringing to to Ashley Hall. Our hope was that we could open it up to the community. Um, And now because of COVID-19, of course, it's changed actually what that will look like for us. But in a way, it's really terrific for the girls because it gives us a lot of flexibility in terms of how we're going to use this show. So yes, it is addressed in curriculum. Um, And I think always, you know, there's this sort of juxtaposition for the girls sometimes because they're attending this... um, all-girls school, where, you know, there's this kind of expectation around independence and finding your voice and being able to try a lot of different things and learning what it means to sort of, um, you know, brush yourself off and try something again if it didn't work the first time. And And so, you know, when you think of what that looks like on a daily basis and how that's lived, 
And then there's this reflection that this this isn't the way it is in, or was. Um, and I think is always sort of surprising for the girls. Everything from, you know, when women, women were able to begin to play athletics, you know, with this idea of being able, you know, to vote. Um, it's something that they obviously take for granted. And so when you step back and you take a look at it, um, it really allows us to open up lots of conversations around what's happening around the globe. Um, things that we take for granted aren't necessarily the same in, in other nations. Yeah, absolutely. Ashley Hall joins the Post and Courier in proudly celebrating the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment and women's right to vote. South Carolina's only all-girls school, Ashley Hall was created in 1909 by founder Mary Macbee, a visionary educator and proud suffragist. Continuing in her footsteps, Ashley Hall remains committed to nurturing the next generation of female leaders in Charleston and beyond. For more information, visit ashleyhall.org. I'm also curious, this made me think of another question that I wanted to ask is, do you ever have to have like a difficult, these difficult sort of conversations um, with these young girls that, you know, while our mission is to train and, you know, to make you a leader, um, you might get some pushback. You might not, not everyone, you know, has the respect, the same respect for a, a woman in power that they might a man in power. Do you have to prepare them almost for that sort of maybe the eventuality that that might be encountered or is it um, you less know, of a focus on that, I suppose. That's a hard conversation, I guess. But Well, it's um, it's really a very interesting thing. So when I came to the school in 2004, I uh, was at a alumni reception. And they were introducing, the board was introducing me to the, to the constituency. And I had a young alum who was in uh, law school at the time. And I was meeting her for the first time and she came up and we had a lovely conversation. And I said, well, tell me about your experience at Ashley Hall. And she said, well, I was really taught that I could do anything and be anything. And I, I developed my voice to be able to um, feel empowered when I went to university, which was very helpful. She said, I think one thing, though, that really surprised me is that what I found on this campus isn't the way the world really works. And that was a huge shock. And so it really kind of got my own, you know, wheels turning about how you create this space, um, which is really sacred for us, you know, and is really important so that the girls do graduate and live that legacy in in community, whatever that looks like for them. Um, And yet also, whether it's, it's it's dealt with directly or not, understanding that there's a resilience that they're going to need um, to weather things that they don't see coming, whatever that might look like. Um, and and so yeah, sometimes they're difficult conversations, and I think that they're approached. You know, our our faculty mentor the girls so so closely, um, and it it you have opportunities so many times when you're teaching or working collaboratively to uh, be able to to thread themes through whatever you're doing. So That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, and it's something that I hadn't thought about until kind of when I sat down with you, but I was like, I'm wondering if that's something that's a drudge, because it's almost like a little oasis, this bubble kind of that you create on campus is somewhat different maybe when you, 
exit. Yeah. Um, and and I think, you know, it's like for any 18-year-old, you know, they're um, ready to take take on the world and are really ready to leave, and which is exactly what you want, um, what we all want for them. And, and yet at the same time, uh, it usually takes yeah, about six to, to 18 months before they realize, wow, what an opportunity I was given and the world and all educational institutions don't function like this. Yeah. 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 Um, how have you lived your life as when we talk about the, the challenges that the students might encounter one day as leaders or as maybe a future woman in power? How have you navigated that? In your personal life, and has there been any obstacles that you faced um, kind of working your way through this, this space? Sure. I mean, I think, um, you know, you have many women who are involved in education. Uh, and there's, you know, tomes written, literally written on uh, statistics and data of who's teaching, um, both in independent schools, private education, public edu- education, um, the ratio of men to women. But in the field, as you uh, move up into administration, there are, you know, we haven't really moved the bar at all in terms of women in, in leadership since, you know, the late 70s, believe it or not, um, especially around women heading schools. And when they are heading schools, um, we're, for the most part, heading single-gender schools. Uh, and so... You know, this is, it's it's interesting. My first administrative experiences were really around a very male-dominated um, administrative team. And one of the things that was refreshing, but, you know, put me back on my heels a little bit when I came to Ashley Hall was just these very um, vocal, well-spoken women who were going to make sure, whether it was around the board table or whether it was around an administrative table, that their voice was going to be heard. And it was, it, it, it was new and refreshing and fun. Um, you know, for me personally, I, we've talked about this before, but I am also a professional musician. I'm a flutist. And I think, you know, the the world of um, classical music, uh, just auditioning and and what that really looks like um, has had a huge impact um, on on the way I think about not only education and and the world, but uh, definitely all of this. Yeah. Is there any advice, this is probably my last question I think I have for you, is there any advice, um, you know, that you have now as you've sort of navigated these spaces that you would have to either your students or other young women who aren't enrolled at Ashley Hall but are still, um, want to make a difference and, and are hoping to become leaders or anything that you've learned, I suppose, that you think is important and worth sharing? You know, I think the last five uh, months for most of us, have created uh, an opportunity for some really deep reflection, as much as you can with everything changing and moving. And, um, you know, I, I think it's important to have a dream and to really understand your, your purpose or your role or what you want to try to achieve. And then 
just keep trying. And at the same time, um, I think being honest with yourself about when you're really learning and you're willing to be vulnerable about what you need to know uh, is really important. So for the girls and for the administrators and, and you know, the constituency in general, I, I think um, this idea of leading with your heart and understanding that the world is only going to become a better place if, if we're willing to roll up our short sleeves and make it so. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much um, for joining me today. I've learned a lot, and um, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Well, thanks for having me. It's such a, it's such a wonderful thing that the Post and Courier is doing, and I'm just thrilled that I get a chance to talk about Miss Macby a little bit yeah. because she was very obviously a very special woman for us and will be you know founders day will be coming up for us very soon in september and so that's it's exciting it's been a pleasure thank, thank you, you so much thank you at great clips we want you to feel good about getting a great haircut that's why we created the Great Care Promise, our commitment to keeping everyone as safe as possible in the salon. From contactless online check-in and social distancing to rigorous sanitization and mask requirements at all Great Clips locations, we're doing more to keep our salons clean and comfortable. Check in online and get a ready next text when you're next. Great Clips, it's going to be great. All salons are independently owned and operated. Contact your local salon for specific safety measures. We the Women is a special series of the Post and Courier in celebration of the 100th anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment. To enjoy all 19 interviews, visit postandcourier.com backslash we the women.